Hi, I'm Leslie Dee from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I would like to introduce my friend Michelle, who has been a great friend for me for many, many years. Um, her um, history, or a little bit about her, is that she's been recovering since uh, that she's been in recovery since 1979. She's been coming to the, um, all of the IDAs since 1980. Oh, since 1979. Sorry, she's been in recovery since 1979. She's been coming to the IDAA since 1987, and she's never missed one since. Um, that she's been retired um, from, since 1994. She lives six months of the year in Ohio and six months of the year in Arizona. And her passion is opera. And Michelle would like you to know that she has two grandchildren who are the gift of the program. So here's my friend Michelle. Every time I come and Dog the microphone, I have to do this. Too short. I'm Michelle Mu, a grateful recovery uh, member of Al-Anon, and I'm another of IDA, and this is the highlight of my year. Uh, I'm supposed to talk on the first and uh, second step. I have quite a lot of qualification about uh, talking about this. Uh, I'm the daughter. Uh, wife and mother of uh, addicts, alcoholics, uh, drug use, using drugs and other compulsive and addictive behaviors. Uh, I include myself in there, uh, besides, besides being a member of Al-Anon and having lived with them, uh, I am a recovering member of uh, Overeaters Anonymous. I've been in the program since 1981 and that's been very important to me. I haven't had a drink for 20 years. And uh, uh, I think these are enough reasons for me to just stand in front of you and just share my program. Uh, the first step says we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And the second step said, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And uh, I linked them very much. I would have a hard time doing the first step without talking about the second one. Uh, strangely, you know, I, I looked at the first powerless uh, word uh, when I came in, and uh, it was strange because I didn't think I had any power left in 1979. I grew up with thinking and feeling that I did not have any power. I was always dependent, you know, uh, on other people to uh, codependent <laughs> very, very strongly too. Uh, dependent on other people to tell me how to feel and what to do. And uh, the, the system in which I, I, in, I grew up um, was uh, a little bit shame and guilt based. And, uh, you, you know, I became a very, very obedient uh, little girl, just not willing having my own personalities and trying always to please everybody and to be what other people wanted me to be. So I did. Uh, so that, that was not a question of power. I felt just, I didn't feel trapped for many years unless at the end I recognized where I was. But I was depending, I, I was weak, I felt inadequate. I had a great fear of authority, and uh, I felt good when I had pleased and, and done exactly what I was told to do. So um, 
the first step was strange. I knew my life was unmanageable, that's for sure. But the first time, the first power, the word powerlessness was uh, a little bit uh, uh, odd to me. But uh, I think I had power from the beginning. You know that I did just didn't do it, but uh, I was I was hiding well. I was accomplishing a lot. You know, uh, I, I I studied a lot. I had a good career. I I did and did and did, and I forgot and I wasn't taught how to be, and uh, that was uh, that was uh, difficult. Um, I was depressed at 15, and uh, I thought I was stuck. I uh, I came to this country when I was 27, and uh, that was you know really being me and making decisions but I didn't realize it I didn't realize that I had a power that I could use you know to good things and uh, thank God that I I was you know I, I was in a place where I was taught how to to achieve and how to be okay and, you know and as much as I, I could uh, so that was the growing up period uh, before uh, before Al-Anon, when I reached uh, Al-Anon and my husband reached uh, recovery at the same time in 79, I was, uh, my whole, uh, my married life and, and mother life and things like that, my kids were, fo- my kids were 14 and 15 when they came into, my, when we came into the program, two sons. Uh, for years and years I, I was working, I was looking uh, good outside, I was doing, accomplishing all sorts of things. But I was trying, desperately trying to, to look for stability in, in my life and to order in my life. Uh, it was certainly chaotic, uh, and it was chaotic in a very negative way. It was just getting very silent, very quiet, most of the time, very isolated, uh, personally and uh, socially. So uh, I was the only one that was looked like she was awake, you know. I was super responsible, uh, and uh, I was doing it alone. And uh, I suppose that was uh, using my power and controlling people, because I needed to control everything around. Uh, otherwise, I knew that if I didn't do, everything was going to fall apart. So uh, but I didn't think I was a control freak at the time. That was a survival uh, mode. Uh, I was failing. You know, uh, I knew that uh, my husband was going to drink himself to death and that he was going to die, and I was going to be left alone with the, you know, with the two kids. I knew that. Uh, so uh, I had a lot of uh, symptoms of the victim, you know, syndrome. Uh, I thought I was a victim. I was, I was being put there for a reason I didn't know. I didn't understand. I didn't know why I was in this world. Uh, I was I was depressed. I was thinking about suicide. I never tried it, but uh, it was a very very low energy uh, as far as emotion is concerned. Um, I, I was I was a victim, and I was at the mercy of everybody else. I was stuck. I was tired. I was depressed. And I was crazy. So uh, in '79. Al-Anon was given to us on a silver plate. Uh, and uh, that is indirectly because of the physician's uh, assistant programs and uh, uh, sponsored, you know, 
based on IDA principles and things like that. And my husband got the message that there was hope and that there was a way out and there was AA in Al-Anon. So he told me, you're going to go to Al-Anon, the kids are going to go to Al-Atin, I'm going to go to AA, everything will be fine. You know, we're just going to start a new life right now. And we, we really did. We really did. He has a, he has a great amount of, of, of will and, and determination and I do that, I do too. I found out I had. And, uh, it's been like that. And, uh, it was, uh, it, it was interesting. Uh, the last two years before we got into program, uh, I had more or less taken the first step. I had come to a point where I was abs- absolutely just totally isolated and I had a French a friend who lived uh, in Cleveland and uh, she didn't know anything about alcoholism, she, she never did. Um, but uh, I went there and in desperation I just talked to her for a whole weekend, I kind of escaped from home, I told my husband I'm just going there for a weekend. And uh, I didn't know I was going to talk to her. I talked to her, and I just dumped everything on her lap, everything all around me. Cried, just very, very emotion was very emotional and things like that. And uh, she she talked she talked back. She didn't talk program. She did not have a program, but she was a wise older lady. And she supported me, and she accepted me the way I was, and it was a wonderful opportunity to uh, just share. That was the first time I shared with anybody else that my husband had a drinking problem and we were going down the drain. So that was a very, very important. I took the first step, but I took the first step without the program, and from then on, uh, I kind of had the... I it, something changed just because I had shared. Uh, I decided I was going to survive. I knew I was going to. Su- I wasn't. I was going to die earlier than later than my husband. He was going to die soon, and um, I decided somehow it came into my mind, my soul, to to decide that I did not know how to do it, but I would. I would. And in 79, before the miracle happened, I had uh, been fired from my job because uh, mainly because I was a woman, didn't want women in the department anymore. And uh, so that was a blow. Uh, but uh, I had a new job very soon after that, very promising. Uh, and then uh, I had a, a, a you know, a GYN problems that I really needed to uh, attend to, and uh, I decided to have surgery. I decided I was going to feel better physically. And uh, some hope crept up that, uh, you know, I needed to be the best I could if I, going, if I was going to be in charge of everything, you know, <laughs> when Danny would die. Uh, so, um, I knew, you know, uh, I knew I was powerless alcohol. I knew Danny was sick. And I came to that weekend from my, from my friend with the idea that he was ill. He had a disease. I didn't know anything about anything else. But I knew that it wasn't, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do anything about it at that moment. And that he was powerless or was, was he was doing. And, and, uh, that helped the word sick or ill 
uh, was the beginning of just letting it go, understanding, and you know, just realizing, understand it a little bit. I did not know anything about any possible treatment, any possible recovery. I had no idea AA and Al-Anon existed. It is how far, how isolated I was socially, and uh, I was isolated from God. Uh, God had, you know, a kind of far away there someplace I was isolated from people I was almost waiting you know for a miracle and then you know St. Patrick's Day March 79 it happened so uh, the only thing I could do at the time uh, in a way one of the things I said you know it's thank God thank God you know I was I was given hope and uh, so, uh, and I, I did not have any problem admit that I was powerless of alcohol because I had tried everything. But now I was going to have something to base the rest of my life on. And this is when I started the program, you know, uh, with step one, you know, and I knew my life was unmanageable. But then um, I went right away into step two. And for me, they are very, you know, necessary to go together for me because uh, I had taken step one. I didn't like it. It was just depressing and sad. But the step two was the idea that there was hope and that there was a power greater than myself, you know, and that I was not feeling, going to feel so insane after that. So the, the changes were there, but I was really, really ripe. I was really ready. Uh, I went to Al-Anon meetings and I've never stopped going there and this is my family I don't have family in this country I don't have much family left uh, and uh, so that um, the groups became uh, my family and it was very important and uh, I went in there uh, with hope and uh, an open mind thank God that was another gift that was given to me an open mind and the, the willingness to, to look at another way of life um, and uh, the higher power was a little bit more difficult. Uh, I, I needed kind of a new one. I needed kind of another kind of a higher power. And for years, uh, I took the group as my higher power. Any Al-Anon group, any meeting I went, I knew I was in the presence of a power greater than myself because you had the answers and you were working at it and you were other human being, you know, ready to, to help me. And you had the knowledge and you were accepting me, you know. Uh, you were loving me, supporting me, helping me. You were giving me smiles and hugs and uh, encouragement. So, uh, and at the same time, you told me that was going to be hard work, you know. But that was all right. Um, so that uh, I got a great willingness to learn. I went home after the first few meetings and read every book that was available. The big book, the, the Al-Anon Faces Alcoholism, I read everything because at that time I was between jobs. That was another miracle. So uh, I had, uh, I went, uh, we went to, uh, my husband went to Hazelden. Uh, we went to the family uh, a week there and came back and then started a new life. So that it was pretty much of a, a big changes, but we were kind of probably walking on eggs, you know. But uh, it was the, uh, a time, a year to, for big, big changes. But it was okay. It was kind of a clouded in pink, and I was in the middle of a pink cloud, you know. And it, I needed to be there. And, uh, of course, now another chapter after that is life after sobriety, you know, the, the pink cloud that... Uh, Pink cloud didn't stay there all the time, and uh, you know, exploded a few times and got me back on earth. 
and uh, it has it's been hard in a way then all the pink cloud you just kind of get out there and stay there and you don't have to do anything but so um, I was looking at step one and two and everything else and my mind was full of data from you know the books and then I had to leave it so I went back to step one again and uh, back, back to reality and and then I had to start to live I was living with a recovering alcoholic who was doing quite well and the children you know the boys were behaving better because mom was a little bit better mood and it was a little bit more peaceful and uh, they didn't know very much they learn again intellectually at Hazelden what uh, alcoholism was and you know they say oh well my. and we know all about it refused absolutely to go to Alatin I could not get them to Alatin at all so uh, I was life with me and was discovering who I was I really didn't have any much identity uh, inside and emotionally so that's been a, a voyage of discovery and uh, with the idea that uh, I don't know where I'm going and this is where the palace was and uh, but with the hope of the I don't want to be sane, insane anymore so I found out what, who I was um, I had uh, I took two years to to find a sponsor and uh, to do my fourth step and then I discovered uh, how uh, influenced you know and how hurt and how sick I was from having lived uh, in a family you know in my childhood uh, where there was uh, drug abuse and there was silence and and you know not very much uh, anything acti active going on so I had to deal with the past and for that I went for years my uh, favorite Al-Anon meetings with uh, adult children of alcoholics uh, during my inventory, I found out that uh, I was a food addict, and uh, I had to deal with that, and thank God I'm doing still okay now. I had to f look with my emotional uh, self, and uh, eventually, 10 years, 10 years after going in uh, to Al-Anon, I decided I need uh, extra help, and I, with the help of the program, I went into um, uh, therapy. Uh, so that was life with myself, and then the life with Danny wasn't necessarily easy. Uh, we were both working hard, and we did work hard at our program, uh, very conscientious and go to meetings all the time, and uh, that was wonderful, and we grew up, and you know, and, uh, but uh, at the same time, we were doing that very individually, and uh, we were kind of getting apart, away from each other, and uh, then another, you know, admitting I can't do it, they can, I think I'm going to ask them. Uh, I joined the couples uh, movement and uh, from 1987, the first meeting in Kentucky, um, we went to a first couple meeting and uh, it was earth shattering in the first IDAA, so that was, that was nice. It's been uh, ups and downs and uh, very many times I have to go back to step one and admit that uh, I don't have it. I'm so called an old timer and I know a lot, but uh, my soul sometimes, my heart sometimes forget about what I have learned or what I'm supposed to do. So, uh, so I went on with, you know, uh, with family life, with work and kids and friends and family and and then life with stuff, you know, the, the, the houses, the trips, the, the move, uh, you know, to Arizona, the, the, 
uh, taking care of everything. And uh, slowly I kind of found out that I was a powerful person. You know, I could I could accomplish things, and uh, I was I was all right. And I I think I was uh, flabbergasted when somebody told me that I was controlling and I was just maybe with a little feather, you know, not a big hammer, but a little feather. My husband says, he says he can uh, dig a groove, you know, in a in a stone with the feathers if you feather if you stroke it often enough, you know. So, uh, okay, fine, I've used my feathers, and sometimes I feel I use a hammer too, but uh, that's what he says. So, uh, it's, 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 it's a balance, you know, it's, and I have had to step down, you know, when my children, both of my sons called us saying, you know, I've reached bottom, I need treatment, I am an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict, they did that. And they did that to us because we had a program and they, they were the only people, we were the only people they knew. And uh, that talk about powerless uh, over, over the children, they were, they were young adults at the time, you know, in their uh, early 20s. And uh, they were not home, they had left to go to college and, uh, you know, stayed as, as far as possible from us, you know, and just different parts of the country and really not that not uh, calling too much, but they called when they were taking their first step, and uh, that was that was another miracle. So uh, I've had them let them go uh, many times. One uh, recovery was a little bit smoother than the other, and uh, the one with the hard recovery has been uh, in this higher ha- higher power's hands, uh, arms uh, for uh, you know since 1990 and. Uh, by the grace of God and uh, uh, the, the help of the program and the help of a, a wonderful uh, halfway house in Arizona, uh, uh, he's been sober for four and a half years, and that's amazing. And I, I am not in control of those people. Uh, <laughs> they're late in their 30s now, they're men, not even young anymore. And... Uh, I have had them, I have to turn them over and to send them up there, you know, because I can't deal with it and I don't want to, I don't want to interfere uh, because I did, I don't want to enable because I did a lot and uh, so uh, it was difficult to do that with the children. I had lots of issues of feeling shame and guilt for what had happened to them because of us or because of me and that is something that I had to deal with Uh, so uh, it's been a dance of the steps one and two you know somebody talked about a spiral yesterday well I'm talking about the dance now I'm dancing with you know step one and I have to just let it go and 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 turn them over and and uh, feel weak in a healthy way and uh, and uh, feeling alone occasionally when I'm not willing to share enough with people, you know, so that uh, my life gets unmanageable again. And never, but every four, six months, something like that, I have one of those attacks. And then I have to dance up, you know, to step two. I have to look for a God of my understanding uh, who is going to restore me to sanity. Uh, I have to go back to my sponsor. Uh, I have to to decide that uh, I'm 
I'm not crazy. I might be insane, you know, and do insane things, but then I'm not, you know, crazy in a way. Uh, I decide that uh, I have been hurt by the disease of alcoholism, and uh, this is what's still left, and this is what I have to deal with it. But uh, there's treatment, you know. There's a, there's a miracle drug called AA and Al-Anon. So uh, I have to go and talk to people. I have to open myself and uh, just put myself on the floor, you know, and all my warts and everything else. And then the other people say, well, you're still worthy and you're wonderful and you're good and I love you. And so, okay, fine. So, I, you know, it's all right. Um, and, and they come back regularly uh, because I'm a perfectionist, you know. I think you know that now. Uh, I need to manipulate and control. I still do. My feather is really hiding there and trying to get out sometimes. And uh, the ego, which means, e you know, um, easing God out, uh, is uh, rears its ugly head occasionally. And it, it's been like that. It's been, instead of being a parable, it's been kind of a, a roll, you know. Uh, back to step two, you know. Uh, I'm feeling angry, depressed, insane again. And uh, then, of course, my, my sponsor reminded me that's not only step one and two, it's step three. She said, Michelle, go back to one, two, and three. Okay, all right, Mary, fine, all right. Uh, so, but then I'm to, I have to be willing to work on it. And uh, things, I have another, you know, a spiritual awakening, and I've had many of them, and emotional awakening and cleansing, whatever, and it, it happens in the strangest way and the strangest time sometimes. And then I go back to step one, you know, I, I'm still looking at addictions around me besides me I'm still looking at addictions around me and that is an, an acceptable behavior and insanity and unwillingness to do anything about it and uh, you know then I go there well you should do this and you should do that why don't you and uh, I decide that some behaviors are unacceptable and uh, I get on my high horse and uh, trying to change somebody, and uh, then I have to go back to step one again, all over. You know, the three C's. I didn't cause the disease, I didn't cause the cure, and I can't control. And uh, alcohol is, is not there, but addiction is still present in, in a few people around me. And, uh, and of course, that is my judgmental self who decides that. And uh, I cannot do that. I cannot do that. Uh, I'm powerless. Uh, I can't do anything about that. Uh, they have a higher power too. And so it goes. The sharing helps. The humor helps. The prayer and meditation helps. Uh, prayer for me is talking to God and uh, meditation is listening to God. And uh, uh, at the same time, I can see I can see God in all, all sorts of people I don't necessarily have to to uh, to to chant and, and meditate for half an hour an hour two hours in, you know to get in contact with God I can see God everywhere and, and in every one of you uh, I'm a very busy person I have lots of committees in my head uh, 
I have lots of it. It goes on and you should do this and that and that and that and that. It's very complicated and, and it's, it gets heavy. And uh, I have to slow down all the time. Uh, I'm too fast for my own good, then he says. So, okay. Uh, the stillness helps. And uh, many people here over the years have shared about the committee in their heads. And so that's nothing new to you. And it works if I'm willing to work it. You know, uh, usually what drives me to, to really go back to my literature, to go back to writing more, uh, go back to uh, talking to people. Meetings is fine. I always go to meetings. That's something that's probably helped me a lot. But that I have no problem with meetings. I've never been unwilling to go to a meeting because I always get out of a meeting better, feeling better than when I came in. But uh, what, made, what gets me to my knees is the spiritual pain, the, the anguish, the, the I don't have any way to go and when am I going to stop this and things like that. And that is my great uh, motivator. Uh, so uh, I have to welcome the, the spiritual pain because otherwise if everything was fine and smooth, I probably wouldn't be here, you know. Um, when do I get in trouble, you know? Uh, when do I take my power back on my back and it feels heavy, but I like it in a way. Uh, that, that means that when I don't uh, work uh, step one, two, and three, the ego comes back, I want it now. My best thinking gets me here, you know, and it's, it's, it can be good, it can be just totally destructive. Uh, when I think that my will is more important than God's will, when I think I'm almost perfect, and you are not, yeah, this is when I get into trouble. When I analyze and try to explain everything, everything in my life, happenings, events, people, and then I want to fix. Uh, when I give way to my compulsions, my addictions, my obsessions, I have dealt a lot with obsession thinking uh, the last two years, and uh, that is difficult because it's difficult for me to break the cycle. and. Uh, then I have to wait to have enough pain to break it. Uh, I get into trouble when I'm looking at what he does or does not, or what you do or do not. I'm willful. I was told uh, once in a, a therapy session, in a group session, that I was a willful, controlling person, and I fell out of my chair practically. Me, you know? Uh, so that that's a that's a waking up call, willful and controlling. And when somebody says that to me, you know, in a way with love, not putting me, myself down, uh, then I'm ready to listen. Uh, when I make judgments about it, about everybody, uh, about his sobriety and other people's sobriety and their actions, this is when I, I'm really just. Getting, I'm getting sick again. I'm, I'm getting ill again. I'm getting dysfunctional again. I, and uh, uh, this is when I really have to feel the powerlessness, the lack of power as far as other people is concerned, and as, as far as life is concerned. And uh, feeling the powerlessness 
after such being in such tension and pain is almost okay. <laughs> it's not too swift, but it's almost okay because it gets me back into humility. And uh, this is what the this is what the step one and two for me means. It's you know I am I, I have the power if I'm willing to have it directed, and the directions usually doesn't come from my ego. I have to feel the powerless, I have to feel that uh, I'm unmanageable, but at the same time, thank God to the program and to the second step, I know that I can feel the hope too, and the feeling of hope uh, is absolutely extraordinary and beats everything else I have at that time. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, what do you say? It's strange, you know, being powerless and powerful at the same time. It just doesn't work together, it seems. But in this context, in this program, it does for me. And uh, I'm glad I, uh, Mary Beth asked me Saturday or Friday. Uh, she, she knew I was willing to do something if somebody got sick while well, somebody got sick. And Saturday she asked me if I could uh, wa- uh, uh, speak on the step one and two and I was, I was, I've been working the step one and two for the last month uh, and uh, I have no problem writing down this and I have no problem talking to you like this but I'm glad I have an audience and I'm glad you're all around here and all my friends and the new ones and uh, so uh, thank you very much for letting me do Hi, I'm Janine, and I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon since um, 1996. I did not come willingly, I'll have you know. Um, So we'll talk about um, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. Well, in 1996, I called, we were in Tennessee at the time, and um, I was living with this man, and we were both in residency. And he just wouldn't come home at night sometimes, and I couldn't figure it out. Well, soon enough, I figured it out, and I had had enough after a while of a lot of craziness. And um, I called the Tennessee board person, the doctor, and I said, you know, you need to come and take this man away and fix him. And, um, you know, I'd done everything I could. I'd taken his phone and made all kinds of rules and all these things and didn't work. And, um, you know, that jerk told me to go to Al-Anon. And I hung up the phone furious. I didn't go. And, um, you know, the insanity continued and um, it happened over and over. Until I was um, became willing. And um, at that point... Um, you know, again, it was, I wasn't so willing to come to Al-Anon, but I was willing for it to be different. And so um, I went to the program director and I said, you know, these two guys got to go or I'm going. And um, so they went and I came to Al-Anon. And I cried for probably um, the better part of four months. But if I told you that, it's not true. I probably cried for probably, you know, three years. Um and uh, slowly I was able to turn him over. And, um, but first that meant that I had to really embrace my powerlessness. 
And um, I grew up, I grew up in a church, and um, so I always had a higher power, but I didn't know that I really, I didn't trust him and have um, confidence. And I thought that I might know better. And I um, tried to do a lot of things. And um, and I still try to do a lot of things. I, um, you know, I would turn him over. And then I wasn't so willing to accept the whole program. And soon after he came home, you know, I wasn't I wasn't done drinking myself. So um, so then we drink together. And um, you know what? That insanity came back. And I married him. And um, then we had a baby, and um, we moved to um, Tampa, and we um, and I was working with the Air Force, and you know what? He I detoxed him on a move. You know I wasn't done with my powerlessness, and or sat with him and rubbed him and gave him love and all of these things, and not ready to turn him over, and I. Um, and then, um, and, and so while we were in Memphis for that last three, or for three years, I, I went to Al-Anon every week, and I had a sponsor, and we talked, and every day, call her up, talked. And, um, and then we moved to Tampa, and I was a little bit of a snob, because the group I joined was an IDAA Al-Anon group. And um, so I thought that I needed to be with um, physicians' wives, and that I couldn't find Al-Anon anywhere else. And um, because I'm a doctor, you know, I mean, I was arrogant and pompous. And um, so I didn't much want to go to another Al-Anon group because what do those people know about anything that's happening? Well, um, God has since showed me that um, I need all of those people in my life. And, um, and he helped me back to um, the rooms. My, so I was pregnant with my, our second child, and um, my husband didn't, wouldn't give my son a bath, our 16 and a half month old, or yeah, 17 and a half month old boy, wouldn't give him a bath, and he just sat down on the couch, and I'd had enough, and I, you know, I'm not, um, I am not a woman of um, grace when I'm irritated, and it all kind of comes out, if you will. And I just sort of exploded, and enough is enough, and all kinds of expletives, and, um, you know, you're going to get out of here um, if you don't tell me what's up. And um, then he told me, and um, anyway, long and short, he went back to treatment. I was, um, but while he was going, I was going to lie for him. You know, oh, well, I was, I had my sponsor on the other line. You know, part of this I remember. I had her on one line. She was in Memphis, mind you, because I hadn't been back. And, um, for like a year, I, I had a hiatus. And, um, so I have her on one, on one line and him on the other. And I'd say, okay, he's telling me this. And she'd say, okay. I said, what do I say? And she'd say, say this. And I'd say, okay. And I'd click back and I'd say this. And I'd say, I gotta go. And so I, you know, I'd hang up. And so God gave me what I needed to survive during that time. And, um, and it was nuts. And one time, um, you know, he was there and he was, they were going to call me. And I'm not, I'm not a liar. And I, I can't, I all, I tell the truth. And because if I don't, it just doesn't feel good. But you know what I said to him? Well, maybe we can let her call me and it depends on how she answers. 
asks the questions that maybe I don't have to give her the full answer. You know, and, and I was embarrassed by that a lot, you know, but that's how sick I was. I was willing to lie for this man and, and believe the insanity. And thank God, um, you know, God was there and helped him make that decision and say, you know what, I need your help. Because, um, because I, I didn't have that. I don't know if I would have had it or not. You know, at that moment, I was willing to, um, in my disease, maybe lie for him. Um, so he went into treatment, and um, I had our baby a week later. And um, I found a lot of anger after after little Zachy was born. And um, and I didn't know who I was. I didn't have a feeling. Um, I didn't know. I well, the only feeling I knew was anger. And I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked to do. They said, well, what do you like? I said, my boys. And, um, well, that doesn't count. And I didn't have anything else to say to them. And so I have learned um, in the four and a half years since that time who I am. And um, and that's by the grace of the program and um, being able to admit my powerlessness. For me, the first three steps go one, two, three. I mean, they're in that order, and um, they go really quick. Because when I'm powerless, and that was really evident, I had done everything I could to, you know, exude my power, and it didn't work. And it was insane. You know, my husband can't bathe my son, and he's on the couch and odd and off, and you know, and um, and I'm and I'm the overachiever. I got it good. You know, I can do everything. And um, so, and then I can turn it. You know, made it or came to believe in a power greater than myself. Well, that was easy. I mean, I had always been I always had some faith and then came three made a decision to turn my will and my life over the care of God as I understood him and I think slowly I was able to turn him over turn over my husband and parts of the disease and and then you know because I couldn't do it anymore I had tried I exhausted every single thing that I could think of and it didn't work and he didn't get better and, you know, I believed that I saw men in the program that could have something, and I saw women that were happy and joyous and free, too. And and I think that, um, you know, God allowed me to, to give him, you know, I used a God box, put it, put God in there. Sometimes it was just the meeting, you know, or I would say, well, you just, like, will you worry about him for a day and so that I won't? And then, you know, and then it was gone. I was relieved of that. Certain things would help me to be relieved of that. And so slowly, you know, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I asked God to help me. And um, slowly my anger went away. Um, and then, and I, and our lives were really good and blessed. And then um, there came a point just recently within this last year that um I again was accepting unacceptable behavior, and um, I don't know. It was really hard because I wasn't willing to turn that over yet because it meant, you know, turning my whole life over and turning my husband over and our marriage over to God. Will it work? Won't it work? You know. And then, what actions do I need to take? And what's my motive? And where's my heart? And um, you know, God, please help me and guide me because if I act. Oh man, I'm I'm vengeful, and I want to get him and make it right, and um, and that's not my job, and I can never make it right, and and that you know it's just not my job. I can't do it, and um, so 
with a lot of prayer and a lot of um, support from my friends in the program, um, you know, I was able to turn over my marriage. And I didn't know what it meant. I meant, you know, will it, I don't know. I didn't know if, if my boys would have a, a dad and my little girl would have a dad um, and we would have the dream that I want. I still don't know today, like, how it will all end up. But you know what I've learned is that I'm okay and that um, God loves me. And no matter what happens to um, my husband and I in our relationship, God will take care of me. And by him taking care of me, I'll be able to be the best mom that I can be. Um, He was, my children um, were my motivator to um, have a program of recovery. Um, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic and my dad's dry drunk, my parents are divorced. I begged my mom to leave my dad. I, I mean, I begged her for years. And the day came and I sat in my room and bawled like a baby. And um, and so, um, you know, when I turned my husband over and my marriage over, I was, I was um, you know, 13 all over again, bawling like a baby. And um, so a lot of times these things... Um, play out for me so that I can have an opportunity to work through things that I thought I maybe worked through and I didn't all the way work through. Um, and I think that, it, um, like, it's just given to me over and over again until I get it right. One of the readings in Courage to Change says, you know, that that person has worked the third step over and over again. I work it all, I work it all the time, you know, and it's subtle. It's subtle how I try to exude my will. Um, even when I, with my children, you know, they're five and four, and, you know, I'm a mom, and you know what? I'm not responsible for their behavior. I'm, I'm responsible to give them some tools, but they still make choices. And that doesn't mean that I'm not a good mom or that I have failed them. Um, it, you know, they're their own person, and um, God has a plan for them too. And I, you know what? God bless them. God bless each of them because you know what? I can't do it for them. All I can do is work this program and keep coming back. In the first Al-Anon group that I said we closed with, keep coming back, it, it works real slow. And um, I hated that for the longest time, and you know, because I wanted to read a book. I said, will you please just tell me the book that I can get? Because I need to read it. I got a lot of trouble, and if I can just do it, then it'll all be better. And you know what? It doesn't work that way. It hasn't worked that way for me. It's um, about one day at a time and um, keeping it simple. I have to remember um, almost daily to let go and let God. Sometimes my little boys will come into the into our bedroom at night, and um, they'll climb, Mommy, can I sleep with you? And you know what? Uh-huh, you sure can. And they come up, and I cuddle, and I thank God for them and each day that we're there. And, um, you know, please help me to be the best mom I can be. And when I'm running in the morning and taking care of myself, and I've learned how to take care of myself, you know, I'm like, God, um, thanks, and please help me to be the best that I can be and help me to do your will, not mine, and um, do what you would have me to do with these little boys and and with and with this little girl, you know. Um, raising her is much different than when I raised my boys. They had a lot of, they had more chaos than she has. I mean, there's still chaos. You know, I'm here by myself or with my little girl. My husband, um, 
he doesn't do a program like I think he should do a program. And um, I have to turn that over. And um, and I do. I work really hard at doing it. I, I die to go to the couples meeting. We went to a couples meeting in Tampa while we were there every week. And it was such a blessing. And it was a gift in our relationship. And it was a place to um, to share and grow and, and make connections with other couples. It was very powerful. And, um, you know, he has some baggage in his bag, and I can't take it out for him. I, I've tried to take it out for him, and I can't, and you know what? And people will say, oh, well, are you coming? Well, you know what? I would love to come. It's just, you know, I don't have a willing partner. You can talk to him. I've tried. I can't do it anymore. Um, you know, I give him to God, and, and that's okay. You know, I keep coming back. And and it's not that he doesn't do, you know, I mean, he's a wonderful man and he has a program. It's just not the program I want him to have. And I, you know, work on giving him over and um, and, and letting it be um, what it is and trusting God that it'll it'll all work to good. Um, I called Mary Beth on, on a Saturday. No, it was Friday. And um, my grandma had fallen and, and um, she was 80. And she um, had hit her head. And my sister called me up. I was at work. And they're in Kansas City. Or near. And um, she said, Grandma fell and hit her head. And I think she has a concussion. She's, you know, nauseated and dizzy. And I said, oh, God, why do you just need to do that? No, concussion. So I hung up the phone. She's a nurse. And I, you know, she kind of freaks out, I think. And so I just said, okay. Well, I'll call mom. Mom was with grandma, and I said, Mom, you need to take her to the ER. Well, it ended up, I mean, you know, I went nuts and had the scenario played out and thought I, you know, wasn't in charge. And um, and I had to work really hard at trusting God and not playing, you know, not going nuts with that committee in my head that tells me how it's all going to be in the end. And um, and to just pray and trust and take action and um do what I needed to do for myself. So, um, you know, um, mom was driving her to the ER and I call mom and she has this awful sound in her voice and, um, and I know it's not good because, you know, mom's a strong woman and I can hear, anyway, I hear fear. And so I go, you know, I'm shaking in the grocery store and all this stuff and I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? And I'm powerless. I mean, that is truly feeling powerless. And when I feel powerless, then the only other option that I have is to turn it over. But, you know, I couldn't just turn it over. I had to call the ER where she was going. And I had to tell them, you know, I'm a doctor and blah, 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 blah. And I know I'm powerless. And I just, I'm having a hard time of letting go and letting God. And, oh, God, help her. And then, you know, I hung up the phone. And, I mean, I was, it was in, it was almost in humor. I mean, I knew that it was my stuff. It was my disease and that I was trying to, you know, be, be God and, um, and, and I knew, and I knew that I would find, when I, I could find peace if I let go and let God. And so, um, you know, Nicole and I drove to Tampa and got on the plane and, um, went to Kansas City. And, um, you know, my brother-in-law and my mom's husband picked us up and said, oh, well, she's, you know, at least grandma's not going to have, she had a big, you know, big complication that looked like she was going to die. And um, at least she doesn't have to use that nursing home policy that she took out. And I said, well, yeah, that's good. You know, at least it'll be quick. So then I go and I talk to Grandma, and then we take her off the vent. And um, 
And so I told my husband, you know, the good doctor and me and knowing all and playing God, well, I don't think it'll be more than an hour. And my, my sister and my mom thought it would just end right away. And um, she had some, you know, breathing that was, um, you know, looked like she was going to die. And you know what? Um, she didn't for, for um, 10 hours. And in the middle of that, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'm not in charge. I'm really not in charge. And it's in your time. And she might use that nursing home policy. And it might not be, you know, the, the plan that I have. And just truly, you know, letting Grandma go. And, um, and, and she did die. And, um, you know, just letting her go. And, um, and having a spiritual experience in the ICU and um, with my family and Grandma. Anyway, I knew that that was my process of letting go and letting God. And so... Each day, um, each day I have to remember to let go and let God with the people that I love. And that's what step three is, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. And I had some pages marked in Courage to Change, but I don't, I don't think I want to read them. But I want to read the prayer. God, I offer myself to you. Build with me and do with me as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do your will. Take away the defects that cause my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of your power, your love, and your way of life. May I always do your will. Um, You know, that, that says that's the third step. You know, when I take out myself and I give it to God and, um, you know, make time to listen to God and, um, and, and let go of my, my stuff and, and turn it over and trust. And, um, it's, it's a blessing. I can feel myself when I, um, when I'm taken over and, um, I can feel it inside. I feel it right here. And, um, and it just gets too much. And that's my my cue that I need to stop and pray and um, give it back to God because I can't do it. And um, and that's the grace of the program for me is that I can turn things over and I don't have to do it. And and that there is somebody who loves me and and, um, and, and my job is to accept His will. And um, thanks.